0: Hello, everybody. Well, my name is Matt Givanesi. Welcome to the Money Lab Podcast. It's 2022, January 3rd, 2022, to be precise. In this episode, I'm going to go over all of my favorite tools that I use for all of my online businesses, and these are the only tools that I'm going to use in 2022. So let's jump into it. (laughs) Yes! Here we are, 2022. Welcome to Money Lab. My name is Matt Jovanissi. Welcome. I'm your host. It's a new year, and you know what that means. On Twitter, everyone's telling us what they're going to do for the new year, including myself. So that's just, that's just what we do as entrepreneurs on Twitter, especially in 2022. What's great about this episode, it's going to be really easy for me to make because of how organized I am. <laughs> I, am I pride myself on my organization. As a child, I was a scattered brain, lazy, dum-dum. And as an adult, I got, I got, once I got my own house, I was like, I gotta be organized. And so now I take pride of it. And wh- why I say that is because I don't even have a list because all of my tools, every tool that I use, my entire tech stack for my businesses are all in my Chrome bookmark toolbar and they're all organized into folders. I have, I think it looks like six folders here. I have Google. So all of my Google tools, these are all my free tools. I have finance. I have marketing. I have content, which is my content creation. I have a data folder, but that's not a, that's not a tool. It's just Google Sheets. And I have affiliates, which is also not a tool folder, but we can go over it. Before we get into my tools of the year, and I'm going to be honest with you, I'm kind of going on a little tool crusade and saying that I am not going to start using any new tools in 2022. And the reason I decided to do that, or I'm deciding right now, the reason I'm deciding that is because, come on, man, like last year, I was like, oh, you know, you, you're on Twitter, you, you follow your friends and are like, oh, check out this new tool It's called Darvis and it does whatever, or check out this new tool. It's called Sparkloop and it's great. Somebody it grew my email list by 30%. And I'm like, I got to try. Come on, man, I got to try that. And then, of course, I waste. uh, (laughs) It's not even really about the money. It's about the time you waste learning the new tool and then realizing, I whatever. It didn't really work for me or, you know, I could have done this with this other tool, blah, 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 you know. So it's really just like kind of a pain to just learn a new. It's It took a lot of time to learn a new tool. But I did start a lot of new tools in 2021, and so they've carried over to 2022, but I am going on a diet. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through all of my tools, and I'm going to tell you the ones I'm keeping and tell you the ones that I'm not keeping, all right? Before we jump into it, though, I really want you to go over to moneylab.co slash subscribe, or no, I don't even want you to – well, you can go there, I guess. But go to moneylab.co slash cheat sheet and download for free – My perfect post cheat sheet. Now, this is a cheat sheet that I put together and it's kind of growing throughout the year. It's going to be continued, continuing to grow. Words, Matt, say them. (laughs) Your brain is moving too fast in your mouth. So, this, this PDF at the moment, and it's going to continue to be a PDF, I guess, is the checklist that I go through whenever I publish a new post on any one of my sites, including Money Lab. So it, it's, it helps me to make sure that the content is good, make sure that it's going to be rankable, the SEO is good, the formatting's good, all of that. And I'm going to continue to grow this cheat sheet. So get it now. And once you have it, if, any, if I add anything new to it, you'll get that as well. All right. Moneylab.co slash cheat sheet. And that is the sponsor of this show. You know, I've looked into getting sponsors. Somebody, who the hell? Hold on. Somebody wanted to sponsor the show. Who was it? I don't know, somebody I use, I can't remember who it was now, but I'm like, hey, if you want, glad. I mean, it's probably, probably one of my tools. I'm probably gonna sponsor you right now, except I won't be paid for it. All right, so let's jump into the Google tools that I use because uh, these are all the mostly free ones, I guess, because I do use Gmail and I do pay for that. I think it's called Google Workspace now, so that's what I use for my email address. I run a business where I have one email address, one email address. And it's matt at And it has three aliases. So it's matt at matt at and matt at They're all the same email address. They just, you know. And then I use a tool called front to sort of manage those different inboxes. They're like fake inboxes, you know, they just get like ported according, you know, it's not that difficult to set up. But I also have my private email. So my private email and my business email are in the same tool and it's called Front, right? And I have one employee or one contractor who goes in and answers all of the Swim University emails. And so I have to pay for two seats. And I believe I pay, you know what? Let me pull that up because I actually do know the price of that. And I I guess it's important to know, right? So Front, I pay $48 a month for Front. And that's my email. Okay, then I have I use Google Calendar, although honestly, I'm not very good at it. I'm better at other things. Analytics, Google Analytics. It's my analytics tool. I still like it. I still think it's great. Data Studio is uh, visualizations of analytics and other things. I was really kind of into it at the beginning of the year of 2021, and I've been into it into the past. But honestly, it takes a lot of time to set it up and then you kind of have to maintenance it. So I'm not a huge I don't really use it anymore. If I'm being honest, I have Search Console which I don't really use all that often because I use other tools, but I still have it there. AdSense, because of YouTube ads, I get paid through that, but it's not really a tool. I do use URL Builder, which is a free tool from Google where you can build out UTM tracking codes. So if you have like, I use UTM tracking codes when I'm doing Facebook ads or Google ads, or if I'm giving a link to somebody and I want them to put that on their site, I'll know in Google Analytics where it came from, that sort of thing. I don't use it that often, but it's there. Google Optimize is in here. I don't use it. It's an A-B testing software. It's free. I highly, I mean, if you're going to use A-B testing software, use Google Optimize because it is free. All the other ones are really expensive. And if you don't have like a shitload of traffic to test against, then it's kind of not worth it. Unfortunately, like, so I, I use a tool and I'll get into it, but the tool has like a lot of tools have built in A-B testing. So I'll just use those as opposed to Google Optimize. But I honestly like. I don't know. I, I I think sometimes I think optimization or, you know, like doing A-B tests, which if Miles Beckler is listening, he would be very mad at me. But I don't know. Sometimes I know there's value to it, but I kind of feel like every time I run a test, I always got it right the first time, which could be just because I spend a lot of time crafting a really good sales page and designing it really well. And, you know, and then it's like, oh, I have this other idea. It wasn't as good as my first one or it's nominal, you know, it's a nominal thing. And and I do get a lot of traffic, but it still feels like, ugh, I just wasted, you know, two weeks of my life doing this test and it didn't really move the needle when I could have just made a new product or I could have like, you know, just added some more testimonials to the existing page or done a better video or, you know, just improved the page that was there without like having to A-B test it. Like just like, in, just knowing like, hey, I had the sales page. If I add a video to it, it's probably gonna do better than if I didn't have a video. Instead of going like, what if I test a video? Because it's in, then you're gonna make a shitty video because you're like, well, I'm only running a test. So I'm just gonna throw up some shitty video. You know what I mean? I hope I'm making sense. Another tool on here, which is like the like sort of like the backbone of my entire business is Google Drive. I pay for two terabytes. I used the Google Drive backup system. You know, so I, I have a new computer this year. I have the MacBook M1 MacBook Pro 20 or 16 inch max. I just like maxed out my computer. I got four terabytes on my computer, which before I always used to have like one terabyte. And then because I would use Google Drive as like my main hard drive. But unfortunately, like it meant I was spending a lot of time managing like what could be on my hard drive versus what could be up in the cloud. And that was kind of annoying. And so I decided to just go, hey, instead of using all these external hard drives and, and what have you, especially when I do video editing, I just went with a big hard drive in my computer and then mirrored. And I know I'm probably saying that like a South Jersey person, but I mirrored the, the two. So I have two terabytes up on I have like one point five terabytes up on Google drive and I have 1.5 terabytes on my local hard drive and they're the exact same file system, right? Besides like applications, but yeah. So all of my files are backed up onto the cloud just in case, you know, I'm on my phone and I need to access something. I can access it on my phone. I can access it on my iPad. I can access it through someone else's computer because everything that I do on my local computer is up in the cloud. And Google Drive is my favorite. I freaking hate Dropbox. My dad uses Dropbox. I do do not like it. It's not as flexible as Google Drive, in my opinion. Plus, with Google Drive, you get Google Sheets, you get Google Docs, you get Google Forms, you get Google Presentations. Like, you get all these extra tools that are just like that work with each other. And so, I'm a huge fan of Google Drive. All of my files are there. It's very, very organized. It's all color coded. And I have this habit of like, naming. I can like all of my file name, not my file names, but all of my folder names are like either one to two words. And I never like to go to three words. That's just me. I have YouTube studio, which is like, you know, not really a tool. And then moving on to finance, finance, QuickBooks is the tool that I use for accounting. I've been using it for many years. Before that, I used a company called zero. And I know people like wave app, but honestly, QuickBooks is like the OG. And it's pretty cheap, and it just it allows me to. What's great? What what the one thing I love about QuickBooks specifically over the other two is I can classify the different expenses because I technically have one LLC, I have one business, and under that business are three different brands. I have Swim University, Brew Cabin, and Money Lab, and I and you know sometimes I'll spend money on Brew Cabin equipment, or I'll spend money on you know, maybe some software just for Money Lab. And so I want to allocate those expenses to the proper business or, or to the proper, I guess, entity, but again, all under one roof. So that has this ability to classify different expenses. And so I have three classifications, which are kind of like categories. And it allows me to like split up my profit and loss statements to be like, okay, how much did Money Lab make versus how much did Money Lab spend specifically? And I do have an accountant that I pay on retainer and he can log into the QuickBooks account and check things and balance the books and all that. But personally, I do all the bookkeeping. So I go in every single month and I categorize all my expenses and all my income and my accountant just like basically makes sure I'm good. He's just there and then helps me with taxes at the end of the year. Then I use Mint personally to just track. Personal expenses, mainly my net worth, don't really track much else because it's kind of automatic from there. And I use Gusto for payroll. So my company is an LLC, but we are taxed as an S-corp, which means that I have to pay my employees, and I'm saying that with air quotes, a salary. So I am an employee of my own company and Steph is an employee of the company, and we are both paid a salary twice per month, just like normal. We get direct deposit into our accounts and that's how it works. And I use Gusto to do that. Gusto also pays workers comp because I have one employee. I need to pay workers comp for Colorado and it also pays for our health insurance. So I do our health insurance through Gusto as well. So a little bit comes out of our paychecks and the business pays the rest. And that's all done through Gusto, which is the best. Absolutely. If if you need payroll, just use Gusto. It's so friggin' easy. And we're even thinking about setting up a company 401k, which means that we can do that through Gusto too. And they do all kinds of other things. And you can actually talk to them on the phone. It's 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 awesome. Okay. So moving on to the marketing folder, we have quite a few here. So I'll try to get through them as fast. We already talked about Front. Front is my email app. I'm pretty much in it all day, every day. I use Podia to sell all of my digital products. So... On Money Lab, it sells, you know, all the courses that I have, right? I on Swim University, I have four courses. It sells those. It's a separate account. So I have three separate podia accounts. And on Brew Cabin, we have one course there and it sells that. For email marketing, I use Active Campaign and I have one Active Campaign account, and all three of my brands live underneath that one account. So it actually saves me a little bit of money because in Active Campaign, you can have different lists as opposed to what I used before, which was ConvertKit, which is just one giant list, and then you had to sort of categorize everything with tags, which can get really messy. With Active Campaign, you have lists, you have tags, you have you know custom fields, you have all this stuff, and the visual automations and. And just the way that you can like set up automations just made a lot more sense to me than ConvertKit did. And that's why I switched. So I switched for two reasons. One, because actually it would save me, I think it saved me like a hundred bucks a month because I could take all three of my businesses and put them under one account. Where with ConvertKit, I had to have three separate accounts, which was not ideal. And... It allows me to create loopable seasonal automations, which is what I use for some university. So you could check that out. If you go to moneylab.co, I have an article about why I switched to active campaign and all the things I can do with it. And so that's what I use for individual pages. Like, let's just say I have to create like a quick page, like an opt-in page, or I have to create like a page where somebody can go to download something or you know, just whatever. I started using lead pages thanks to Miles Beckler because I was setting up all this like funnel stuff in the beginning of 2021, which you can read about um, at the Gazillion Dollar Sales Funnel Experiment on Lab, And it allowed me to just spin up a landing page very quickly and connect it to Active Campaign and connect it to Podia and do all this like really fancy stuff without coding anything. When I, I used to use just WordPress pages but if you wanted to do any customization to them and make them look like sales pages you had to do that manually or use like a a page builder and it just got like it's just messy and then there was like caching issues because I obviously care about page speed and so it was just like it was just harder to manage but with lead pages I have one account I can create a page I have three separate uh, domains so I have like pages.sum university BrewCabinPages.moneylab.co, so it's a subdomain that I use, and so all of the pages are hosted on lead pages. They're all really fast, and they're pages that don't need SEO juice. Like they're kind of like again opt-in pages. They're you know OTO pages or like one-time offer pages or like just you know maybe a sales page where I could A/B test the sales page really quickly because with lead pages you duplicate the page, you make some changes, boom, you let it run and you see what happens. So that has been like actually one of the best decisions that I made in 2021. And I'm gonna continue to stick with it. And I love lead pages. It's just like, and I host everything there. I don't connect it through WordPress. Highly recommend it instead of using WordPress pages, okay? I have Deadline Funnel is a tool that I use. I use that for my OTO. So if you sign up for any of my, you know, websites, you will get taken to a page where I have an offer and that offer has a deadline to it, whether it's 24 hours, three days, whatever. Truthfully, I don't know how well this works, but I've been using it for a year. I'm happy with it. It's, it's good, you know, so I I like it. It's expensive, but you know, it's probably, I think it's like a hundred bucks a month and it's probably... You know, it's probably, I mean, it's more than paid for itself, I'm sure. So I'm gonna stick with it because I like it. Simple to use. I use Hrefs. Hrefs is my SEO tool of choice. And I say this all the time to anyone who's looking to get into sort of like entrepreneurial endeavors online, especially when it comes to like affiliate sites, authority sites, etc. You gotta take SEO seriously. And in order to take SEO seriously, you need a tool. You need a professional SEO tool. And there are three that I've used. I've used SEMrush or SEMrush. I've used Moz and I'm on Ahrefs. I do think it's the best. I I am sort of like wanting to check out SEMrush a little bit. I kind of just want to see what's going on there because I know they've made a lot of changes. I know they've gotten some like, Funding. I know they're not, They're like publicly traded now, which is just an interesting. I don't know. I just, I'm just interested in it. So like, and I think it's a, it's the same price as Hrefs. But I'm using Ahrefs and I'm kind of glued to it by now. I've been using it for like four years, I think. And yeah, it costs a hundred bucks a month. But you know what? Probably the, the the best investment I have. Like of all the tools that I use, it's probably like the, the one that like it's literally like the the linchpin of my entire business is that tool. So. I think you need to get it. I use Genius Link right now. I'm on Genius Link mainly for international monetization on Amazon. I don't use it for anything else because Lasso is the other tool that I use. My other plugin that I use that does a lot of that. And I know that Amazon has one link, which is kind of like I. I just don't know if Genius Link is that much better than one link, although they do claim that. So I'm currently paying for it. But I'm like just waiting for Andrew to tell me that like, hey, you know, Lasso can do all that now. And so I don't need to pay for two tools to do the same thing. But Genius Link is good for the international monetization if you're using Amazon. You can check it out for other things, but I don't think it's like a tool that I would recommend. You know, like for my specific, you know, where I am and the tools that I use. I'm not saying I think it's great if you have like if you don't have a website. And you don't want to use or you don't want to use WordPress and you don't want to use Lasso, you can use Genius Link to kind of centralize all of your affiliate links. If you have like a YouTube channel or you're just like outside of WordPress, I think it's great for that. I use Zapier to connect some different things and do some automations for me. The reason I started using it was because I was using Podia to sell my membership. So I have a membership site called Money Lab Pro that uses a tool called Circle. That's the community platform. And at the time, Circle did not offer any sort of paywall solutions or payment processing. And so I had to use Apodia to sell it and then like send an invite and connect the two using Zapier. And you might know it as Zapier, but I don't know why you call it that because that sounds wrong and you make zaps you don't make zapes so i don't know why you call it zapier that's zapier oh i gotta have a lot of fucking tools now I, i'm like i feel like i'm not even halfway through it i'm not even talking about like wordpress plugins that's gonna be a wordpress plugins gonna have to be like a whole different episode which is probably good but yeah i use that so i started using it for that but then i'm like you know what? what else can zapier do so i have it like i started using it to like do some like marketing automations like every time i publish a new podcast episode it gets tweeted it gets puts on facebook every time i publish a new youtube video it gets tweeted it gets facebooked you know every time every week it it automatically posts in my community like a specific thing a call to action and it, it there's and i'm i'm still gr- messing with it i i do like it for those reasons like this like instead of paying somebody to do these like automated things like let me see if zapier can do it first and then if zapier can do it and that's pretty decent then like i don't need to hire somebody which is great so just i don't know i like it it's cheap i use a tool called email subject line tester which is just a little tool that i have in my bookmarks it's okay (laughs) it's it's made by co-schedule which makes headline analyzer which i do love and continue to use. The email subject line tester is not the best built out thing, although I think they really should invest in it because I think it, it could be great. But it does have a lot of contradictions within it, so it's not really a good indicator, but it's just something that helps me sort of like craft email head, headlines or subject lines in it because it stores, you know, what every everyone you test and it gives you a score, and just that sort of alone is good enough for me. All right, so let's move on to content and we'll end it here, okay? And I'm gonna get through this. And this is kind of like, there's a little bit of marketing in here, there's a little bit of, you know, there's some other stuff in here. So for podcasting, I've been, you know, I'm recording this on an app called Descript. I call it Descript because it's like description. It's like the short version, right? Cause it's description, but they call it Descript, which that's wrong. It's like, guys, folks, Citizens, it's like SEM Rush. It's SEM Rush. Okay, it stands for Search Engine Marketing Rush. But then they're like, "Well, we're more than just Search Engine Marketing," so it's now SEM Rush. I'm like, God, it fucking drives me nuts, man. It just drives me nuts. It drives me nuts because, like, you don't have to explain it that way. Also, just call it. It. Who cares what people call it? Ahrefs is the worst because <laughs> it's like it's not even. It's whatever. I don't understand how, why people name things that are hard to say. It doesn't like, it just drives me nuts. And I, I can go on a whole rant about that. Maybe I'm going to write that down because I can go on a whole rant about naming, just like brand naming. I have a great story about brand naming too. That is hilarious. And I'm not going to tell it. I'm going to, right now, I'll, I'll keep it for a future episode. Anyway, moving on. I'm using Descript or Descript to record this podcast, and I host the podcast on Transistor.fm, which is run by Justin Jackson, and I love it. Very simple, and what's great—the reason I use Descript or Descript as opposed to say, like, I, like I use Logic to do all my music recording. It's what I recorded all my podcast, and before that, I like Descript because. It works directly with Transistor. So when I hit publish, it automatically uploads to Transistor as a podcast and I'm done. It's like super easy to use. Okay. And I just did the overdub sync thing. So if I make any stupid mistakes or I say something awful, I could just like change it in my own voice. So that's cool. Anyway, then I've been using Canva to do some stuff, but if I'm being honest, like it's just a little clunky for me. Like I started using it, and I was like, "Oh man, Canva's the shit." I get it. I understand it. It's great when you have like a team, a team, and you can all work in the same thing. But I don't know. It just there's just some. I guess as a designer and somebody that has used like Adobe products my entire life, and um just I don't have as much control. And the the organization of files is a little wonky to me. I wish they had like layer control and stuff. I, so. Personally, I'm I think I'm probably going to stop using Canva this year. But if you are not a designer and you need to get designs up, it is actually a pretty good tool. I actually used it to make a a, one of the biggest reasons I started using it was earlier in 2021. I did a, a challenge where I had to publish 31 YouTube videos in a row and I hired my VA to create the thumbnails. And she doesn't design anything. Like she's not a designer. She doesn't have like, you know, Adobe tools. And so I signed up for Canva and gave her access and showed her how to use it, like through a video and it worked. It was good. But I think, you know, I have to lean on my design skills a little bit more this year. I, I really want to, I, I always want to outsource my design skills, but I know that they're like decent. And so it's like, You know, it's something I'm actually good at where it's like, I really should be leaning on other people to do things that I'm not good at or that don't really need my specific talents. So, again, I think Canva is going to be on the chopping block for 2022. I use Headline Studio. I mentioned that by CoSchedule. I do love it. Anytime I write any headline for anything, I run it through there first. Last year, I started using a tool called Riff Form which is a really simple version of Typeform, which is way cheaper. It's sort of like Google Forms meets Typeform. It's very, very simple. They're still a very small company and I can actually talk with the owners. It's pretty cool. I use it. It's great. I'm using it for like anytime I need to send out a survey and I have it automatically pipe all that data into ActiveCampaign. So I'm constantly collecting data from my subscribers through forms. Yeah, it's just kind of on autopilot right now and I do love it. I use Zoom for all of our meetings on Circle. We do like, you know, live meetings and stuff. I'll continue to use Zoom because I don't see anything better. And I use Zapier to automatically set up my ha- my weekly happy hour calls, which is great. I do have Jarvis, which is the hot new tool of 2021, which is, you know, the AI thing for, for writing. I will say I will continue to pay for it this year. Although... I'm using it less and less frequently. I, I use it as sort of like a writer's block push, mostly for marketing stuff like product descriptions or Facebook ads or Google ads or, you know, little little sentences that I need where it kind of spins some stuff for me. Writing blog posts, no, it does not. No, I am, no, I'm better than it. And I'm sure most people are better than it. So yeah, for marketing purposes, little like just, I don't know. I just, every once in a while, I just need like a a couple paragraphs for like, maybe it's a a description for an affiliate product or one of my digital products or, you know, a little blurb. And it's great because it like, it spits out like a very salesy block of text. That sounds good from a sales perspective. And then I just kind of take that and massage it so it fits my voice a little bit better and then go from there. So I'm going to continue to use it. it. It's, I don't know if it's worth the hundred dollars a month that I spent on it for as much as I use it, so it, it's probably better, like you know, it, the time it takes for me to pull up the tool, literally type in the things I wanted to spit out, and then have it spit out at me, I probably could have just wrote the three sentence thing that I needed. So I don't really think it's saving me time. And I don't really think it's moving the needle in my business, if I'm being honest. It is the hot new tool. I get that it does a lot of things, but as somebody who writes very technical stuff and doesn't really have an issue with, you know, getting things started, I'm I'm slowly realizing that it's like probably not worth the money for me. So unfortunately, I think Jarvis might be on the chopping block as well as Canva this new year. The last tool that I want to bring up, which we are currently using and testing out, we, we sort of got into it late in 2022, or sorry, 2021, and we're trying it out this year. It's called ClearScope, and it is, it's probably one of the more expensive tools that I have besides ActiveCampaign. It is a SEO tool that connects with WordPress, and basically you run, what it does is like I can run a keyword through it. It runs a report and it scans like the top 30 websites in Google. And it sort of collects like a list of all of the words that are commonly used throughout the top 30 results. And it compares that to your text within WordPress. And so it'll say, you know, hey, you're not using this word, but like five other websites are using this word. So you may want to use it. So it's, I think it's, Good, because we talk about in the SEO course we talk about cousin keywords, or you know you have your primary keyword, your secondary keyword, your tertiary keyword like these are you have your main you always have to have your main primary keyword that you have to target, but there are like different phrasings and different sort of like keywords that are not worth you know creating a whole separate article on, but could be kind of wrapped into it and and there's just certain keywords that are just related enough where we call them cousin keywords and so Clearscope just kind of instead of like doing that research within hrefs and finding all those keywords and then having to manually enter them into the content i'm using a tool like Clearscope to sort of do that for me as we're writing or as we're optimizing old posts the tool is like 170 bucks a month and you only get 10 keywords a month so that's quite a bit of money whether it's actually moving the needle or not, or, or you know, how much it itself is being like, you know what I mean? Like how much it's effective versus like, you know, let's say we didn't use it. We don't have that. We're not testing the single clear scope variable in our SEO, but I do see its value just from an SEO perspective. I'm just, I just don't have any data that says, you know, this tool is like directly responsible for you know, our position in certain keywords or whatever. So I do like it because it does make sense to me again, like if everyone on the internet is talking about this one product and I'm, you know, I have an article about, you know, around that product and I don't mention it. Well, it's like, well, then I'm missing out like my contents, you know, sort of missing the, the, the thing that the internet's talking about. And so it kind of helps me like plug into the SEO zeitgeist of whatever keyword I'm trying to rank for, if that makes sense. But anyway, the last tool that I'll mention, which I know I said I was going to mention that, but how could I not mention Asana, baby? That's, I run my entire business and I run my entire life through Asana. Asana basically is my calendar, my Google calendar. It is my personal to-do list. It is my business to-do list. It's, if it's not in Asana, it doesn't get done. I have an entire course on it, which you should check out. This year, especially, it, it's I use it as my editorial calendar. This was actually in Asana. This this episode was in Asana, my favorite tools for online business in 2022. And I'm going to record it, which I'm doing right now. I'm going to publish on Transistor and I'm going to hit check. And I finished it. See, and I have the entire first quarter of 2022 audio and video planned out for Money Lab. And that is an upcoming episode on this podcast. We're going to talk about planning an editorial calendar using Asana. So that's it. Those are the tools that I'm using for 2022. And the tools that I told you are on the chopping block for 2022. Reach out to me. Send me an email, at moneylab.co. Let me know if you, if you want, you know, maybe you're thinking about getting a tool. Maybe you want to downgrade. Maybe you want to upgrade. Maybe you just want my personal opinion, which I gave you most of. But hey, just reach out to me and I'm happy to talk to you. In fact, I want to talk to you because podcasting is so lonely. I'm sitting here in my basement talking to myself, making stupid hand gestures that no one can see and telling, you know, you about my stuff. Off the cuff, with no script. I'm just talking. I like it, but it's a little lonely. When I publish, I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot I did that. No one emailed me. No one, you know, there's no comments. I can't respond. So the only, you know, there's no, until there's comments on podcast episodes, which there should be, but there's no universal platform, send me an email, matt at moneylab.co. And go download. It's free. My perfect post cheat sheet at moneylab.co slash cheat sheet. If you have a website, which you probably do if you're listening to the show at all. Okay. Besides that, Happy New Year. And that's the only time I'll say it. (sighs) And yeah, see you next week. Bye.